The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. It's Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark, and you. Hope you're doing all right. Busy show. We'll talk some ball with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch will be with us in about 15 minutes as get his take as we loom towards spring football. Mitch will have a thought or two on all things Nebraska. In hour two, we'll drill down on some recruiting a little less than a week away. Hold on. Check that. Carry, carry the one. A week away, uh, starting tomorrow from uh, signing day, part D. And uh, Greg Smith going to be with us from Rivals. So, uh, friend of the show, Greg Smith checks in at 5. And then our favorite Husker NFLer, Agent Jeremiah Searles. As Searles checks in, we'll get a little bit of a, a spring primer from him. 489-1240. 489-1240 to get in. 800-825-5865. Wherever you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Watch the show, contribute on the stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Watch there, subscribe there. You can also find and follow us on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio, ESPN 590 Omaha, KFOR in Lincoln. And our friends out in central Nebraska, Kearney, Hastings, Grand Island, Columbus, we salute all of you who uh, take the time to check us out. And uh, we will, without further ado, Dive into roll call, our starting five. Her Dizzle checks in first as he's across the finish line. Uh, we do our starting five. Shout out to the first five in the stream. Uh, okay. This is funny, though. Her Dizzle says, for coming in first, I'd like to pull a John Elway and thank myself. Sure. <laughs> See, I always heard that pulling a John Elway was heating up pennies with a lighter and throwing them at strippers. But Yeah, well, <laughs> the the the... And there's corroboration. You've heard that story from family. Everyone's heard that story. Well, I may have a, a, a co-pilot with him back in the day. That would that no. may have that may have been to the that club. May have been the lighter guy. I, I don't know. I don't know. If he, I don't know if he had the props. <laughs> okay, but let's just say uh, our infamous friend, and I mean that lovingly, Jaybird, not Jaybird, Jay Moore, but but Jaybird. Uh, the other mayor of Lincoln is he worked his way, and I've told this story a few times. But but Jay Bird uh, is a is a dear friend, but he also found his way onto the sideline of the '95 Colorado Nebraska game. Okay, and he just said, "Hey, Elway," you know, because Elway was on the sideline, and they were, I think, drinking beers before. And then they were drinking beers after. And Elway's like, hey, all my friends call me Woody. That was Elway's nickname to his, to his, that's, that's how you got his attention. You called him Woody. And long and short, Jay Bird's on the sideline watching Nebraska stomp Colorado. And, and I think the, the lasting quote was, you're drinking, I'm buying. So Elway was a, a hell of a good time to hang out with. I don't know if they made it to 
a, uh, a vitamin C place of choice in Denver afterwards or not. I don't know that. But is crazy as the story may get i, I there, there are some parts we need to omit to protect the innocent <laughs> the, the 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 petty sh- the petty shots because uh, you can just kind of flick those right oh yeah yeah right yeah. so that's funny so we went from not that i've ever tried for ro- neither of us elijah's very I'm respectful start interrogating both of you <laughs> What happened last night, Elijah? <laughs> Bouncer threw me out. <laughs> uh, we got off track there. Okay, uh, so her dizzle's in number one. Chuck and her dizzle's not lighting or not heating not, up any pennies not, as far as no, we know. No, 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 no uh, penny tips. All right. Uh, Chuck is in at two. Mr. Snitley. Brian is in at three. Uh, Black Hills, Brennan, four. Brandon, five. Uh, Weston checks in. And then Matthew's in. And uh, Beard Watch 2024, he is all about it, Elijah, if you're going to do the beard thing. Uh, Dion, good to hear from you. And uh, so, yeah, that's our, our, we're rounding out our, our starting five, plus Tuck checks in as well. So, uh, <laughs> the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life um, is is last. There's, there's more room for you. We'll get into some football thoughts. We'll dive into... Uh, some some Fred seeing red. He'll have a media session tomorrow. He was on the network last night. I didn't hear it. I just read some of the quotes. And he's right on. His team's got to toughen up. We've got bubble watch. And uh, as we suspected, uh, the athletics bubble watch has come out. Nebraska back on the bubble. along I'm Wearing with, bubble wrap. Too. Right. Along with uh, most of the Big Ten. Uh, not named Illinois, Purdue. Or Wisconsin, the, the Badgers come in at number six in the country, so that's going to be a monster game Thursday. Recruiting-wise, Nebraska and Keona White are heating up. Nebraska's also offered another quarterback for 2025, so we'll get all those details from uh, Greg Smith. Big night, bowling. You've got your gear on. Explain to the folks what tonight means. Tonight is our turn in the Lincoln City Bowling Tournament. It's a big deal. Teams of five. So my, my team of three, of my dad, my brother, and I have combined with the... the I'll, I won't expose them, actually. Another team in our, our bowling league. I'm really excited to have them along for the, the ride. Tonight at nine, we go, and it's uh, being teams of five. We're going head-to-head, and you really bowl against everybody, but it gives you some competition to bowl against. Uh, means it's going to be a, lo- a late night at the bowling alley for one Elijah Herbal, but uh, <laughs> the reward is worth it. We're, we're playing for the prize money. Two years ago, we finished tied for second. Technically, third place is where we what, ended what's up. What's the prize money at? I think a G. I think it's a G for the winners. I could be off on that, nice. but I don't think I am. I feel like you could sell that shirt for a G. This? Yeah. This is uh, a hand me down from my grandfather. Rest his soul. Love so, it. Uh, we're, we're channeling him tonight. There you go. In the bowling alley, he was the. He was the best in the family way back when. The only person in the Herbal family to bowl a 300 was my grandpa. Uh, so we're, we're wearing the shirt. He did not bowl the 300 in this, unfortunately. No. Uh, but it's still hopefully got some good juju. Sure. Off. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get that rocking at nine. Again, as I said, third place finish two years ago. Last year, not up to our standard. We're going to forget about that short-term memory, you know. Uh, goldfish, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're back at it tonight. So we're, we're going for the championship. We're, we're going to see report tomorrow it's going to be a late you better you better be a little foggy it's going to be be, you better be a little foggy at four o'clock tomorrow because it was such a good night well we'll see we'll see all i know is that 
we start at nine. We're not going to be out of the bowling alley till well after midnight, most likely tonight. So sure. it's uh, it's it's going to be a late night, but late nights sometimes are the best nights, and that's what we're hoping for tonight. And celebration will ensue. Afterwards. Yeah, I, I need uh, I need uh, Bush heavies or Budweiser heavies and Bush lights well, popping. Well, well, one of the problems is is the the city tournament itself lasts an entire week. It goes from Monday through Friday. We bowling on Tuesday mean we lock in our score tonight and then we play the waiting game the rest of the night. So we mm. could we could be top of the leaderboard after tonight and not finish within the top five. Not so it's like you're in the clubhouse early. Exactly, you are exactly. buying drinks for the competition. I pray. So Eric wants us to dive into how the NFL is rigged. In the AFC Championship uh, and take advantage of the Taylor Swift hype for the Super Bowl. You know, the the script sometimes is funny, but I can't bring myself to go there. Can you? It was funnier than it is now because I feel like some people are really starting to believe it. You know? Yeah. It's not WWE script. No. No. Like, it's... uh, it's one of those things that it used to be, oh, your team sucks, so you're going to say, oh, it was just in the script, like a, a funny... We got hosed by the officials. Yeah, it's, it's part of the script. No, now Baltimore, I feel like some people Baltimore out there made actually, stupid penalties. Yeah, now I feel like some people are actually taking it seriously. Uh, Baltimore would have won that game, most likely, I think, based on how they were playing late, if Zay Flowers wasn't an idiot <clears> and didn't fumble at the one-yard line, or conversely... Uh, get that penalty, penalty uh-huh. within the 10-yard line. If Lamar Jackson didn't throw an interception. I didn't think the NFL called down to, to Lamar Jackson in the huddle before that snap and said, hey, buddy, we need you to throw into triple coverage here. Uh, Patrick, I, I, we just told him about Santa Claus. <laughs> Apparently, Patrick chimes into the stream. What? Hold up. WWE script? Huh? What? So, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Let's dive into just quick news and notes with Nebraska football. Specifically, the roster. It's been released. Uh, Ethan Piper uh, retiring. He has not announced that, but he's not on the roster. He's got a long road ahead of recovery uh, with that injury. So we love Pipe. And- it was good to see Pipe. Uh, I believe he's doing his student teaching at North Star. I saw him uh, a couple Saturdays ago, and he was walking around looking good. decent. Still the knee brace on, but you just hope after an injury like that that a guy is able to have, if it's not football, just a, a high-quality quality of life right. moving forward. you want to forward. be able was, to, to, to be mobile. And it, it was good to see him walking around uh, <clears throat> looking good in that way. So uh, all the best to Ethan Piper, whether or not football's in the cards for him in the future. Sure. Well, and, and you know what? He'll be a heck of a coach and uh, if that's something he wants to pursue. so Heck of a high school science teacher. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, science. Uh, so Yeah, let's, let's hope he doesn't get into that kind of no, science. No, I'm thing. not saying he's, he's not walking the path Kingpin of one, Ethan Piper. <laughs> Walter White. If he's got a black fedora and a Dodge Charger, look out. I don't yeah. think anyone would mess with Ethan Piper down in the, the desert of Arizona. I tell you why. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Uh, you have um, Kane Williams also off the roster. Ruquan Buckley has made the shift over to offensive line. Uh, you have Jeremiah Charles and Bryce Turner now playing defensive back. And IGC is, yep, back on the roster. Good for him. And uh, you have Machacek from D-line to O-line. Goldman is on the defensive line. And roster sits at 149 right now. So that's kind of the news and notes of... Where things are at, no mention of the running back room. The the wide receiver room is pretty uh, pretty well set there, and of course your quarterback room is going to be the the eyes of, of a lot of this spring. And Bryce Turner, I think, to the the defensive back room, 
I mean, there's some there's some interesting notes here. That might be the most interesting of all. We remember him. He was from uh, Bay City down in Texas. And if you remember, was a, a fantastic sprinter, tracking and field athlete. The Husker coaches were really, really excited with what they could have with him, maybe playing slot receiver, taking the top off of defense. You wonder why defensive back is the move for him, but you still have a world of athleticism there, and you, you, you wonder what he can do in the defensive back room. Maybe more of a developmental project there, moving to defensive back. I'm not quite sure. Um, but whenever you see his speed and his athleticism, like you wonder about his potential to be a return man, what he can do in that defensive back room. I was excited to see what he could do at wide receivers. That's an interesting move to see him moving to the defensive side of the ball, especially with what seems to be a team need at wide receiver. No, for sure. So Jackson checks in. We batted this around a little bit after the show last night. We were going to touch on it today. And uh, Jackson asked the, questions, did, did, asked the question, did we talk about Dylan Raiola being dropped to number 71 with the on three rankings? And that is a bit surprising. There's some theories out there as to why. Uh, and I guess my reasoning and answer as, as for the drop, the guy looked pretty good in the Polynesian Bowl. He went to Nebraska, not Georgia. I don't know if there's any crossover with Georgia. <laughs> Uh, alums and their influence on rankings. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. I don't know the, uh, the the process other than the kid was top three, top four on about everyone's recruiting rankings. And then he drops. All I can say is this, that the kid will use it as motivation, possibly. But so what? He's signed. He's in Lincoln and the job in, in front of him right now is to go earn a job and uh, be that leader you need at quarterback and, and be the difference at a position where you were responsible for being minus 17 in turnovers with a handful of losses by a field goal or an overtime. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the so what boat, I think, with this. Because at the end of the day, I mean, when you're recruiting him initially, the numbers – hold value obviously when mm-hmm. you're you know ranking players it depends on how good they are it's all based on like a whole metric system and everything but at the end of the day none of that really matters when he steps out of the field in a Nebraska uniform I mean wh- all that matters is how he plays in a Nebraska uniform at the end of the day so I don't really think that seeing somebody drop especially Riola I-, I know it's maybe shocking at first because he's been at the top for so long and so many schools have been going after him for a number of years now, and it was a huge deal when he flipped over to Nebraska finally. But at the same time, as you said, Schmitty, I mean, you signed him, you have him, he's probably going to be your quarterback. That's really all that matters now, and you know the talent that he possesses. The number really can't, you know, put a a gauge on that at this point, in my opinion. I'll, I'll just say this. Look at the people that Nebraska brought in last year in their 2023 class. Did Jalen Lloyd play like a three star? No, no, he no. tied. He tied. Uh, you know, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. for fifty-yard touchdown receptions. Did, did Riley Van Poppel play like a three-star? Did Prince William Mamelin play like there was two hundred and fifty players in the country that were better freshmen than him last season? I think the answer to all those things is no. I'm, I'm with Connor on this. Once mm-hmm. you step foot on campus, it doesn't matter. Everyone sees the talent with Dylan Riola. Why is he dropping down to seventy-one in the on-three rankings? Well, on-three's probably got it wrong. I'll just simply say that. We all see the talent coming off the page. Why have they done that? I don't know. Do I really care? 
No. We'll ask recruiting insider and national recruiting analyst Greg Smith uh, in about 45 minutes or so. And Greg Smith with Rivals. With Rivals. They have Dylan Ryle still as the number two overall player in the country. Right. Does it really matter? I'm gonna, we're going to grill Greg. Why do you have Dylan Raiola <laughs> number two overall? Tell us. Uh, and uh, there you go. Anonymous does check in and ask or, or throw this in. Dylan's mobility is a huge question. We'll wind down this segment. We're running out of time. We'll get back to it. We'll talk some more with Mitch Sherman, Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter, is where you follow him. Mitch, how we doing? Are you out? Uh, chipping away with uh, the, the weather out there? Are you uh, hunkered down doing some uh, some work? Oh, some of both. I'm not I'm not chipping away, like chipping away with the, the pitching wedge, is yeah. that what you mean? Or like I, at the yeah. ice yeah. Are you, at the bottom of my driveway, which, no, which no, is I, well, more specific. You, I do need to be specific in this time of year. Uh, not the ice chipper, but the, uh, the wedge is what I was asking. <sighs> no, I, th- that's, that's uh, no, there's, there's still plenty of white stuff uh, on the course, as I can view it um, out my back window. So no, I'm I'm uh, not doing that right now. That would be that would be pretty hardcore, though. If you if you hit the ball into a snowdrift, uh, good luck. <laughs> you just drop one. You play OJ golf. You carry an right. extra ball in your. Right. You, you don't keep a, a snow wedge with you in your golf bag. Yeah. I'm just not. I'm not that. I'm not that into golf. I'm actually. <laughs> I'm actually really not that into golf. Period, but certainly not so much that I would uh, I would have a snow dr- a snow wedge. No. Mm. Well, we were discussing before we uh, we went to break uh, Dylan Raiola and uh, his task in Lincoln and, and just some of the excitement. But we had a, a question come into the stream about his ranking drop in on three. And Mitch, maybe you know a little bit better than than we do. Uh, when it comes to the the ranking setup and system, and listen, you have three main services that, that do recruiting. You have ESPN, you have On Three, you have Rivals for twenty four seven. So they all put time and effort in when it comes to to, to ranking these guys. But uh, a lot of the other places have you know Dylan top three, top four, and you saw a drop. And we're trying to answer that. Our our response was you know he's in Lincoln. It doesn't matter anymore. It definitely doesn't matter when uh, the ranking goes down after the letter of intent is signed. And I mean, he's a, he's a college, he's a college student as of, as of last week. So whatever his high school prospect, he, he, I don't, I, it, unless, unless I'm mistaken, he didn't play any high school games last week. No, um, he did not. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe his ranking dropped uh, based on his performance in the Polynesian bowl, but I didn't see anything in that game that would have precipitated a, um, a ranking drop. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't mean to uh, mm-hmm. to discount it because the the analysts who rank prospects they do a lot of work, and you know, someone at on three thought that that he deserved to take a dip for whatever reason, and and that's fine. It's not the majority opinion. Uh, the majority opinion is that he's a five star player, and 
he's he's a top uh, you know a, a top two to three quarterback in the country in this class, if not higher. I mean, certainly there have been opinions that are more prevalent and more widespread that he's not just a top two to three quarterback in this class, that, that he has the potential to be a generational kind of talent with with his arm and, and his physicality and size and, and maturity um, and attitude that he's bringing into college. So there's going to be varying opinions on anybody. I mean, you could look at C.J. Stroud after his rookie year and, and, and someone could come up with the opinion that, it, that he's a flash in the pan probably. I don't know that the majority of people would agree with that and, and We'll see what time, what what plays out over time. That's no different than it is with Raiola, and, and and there is, you know, a lot of uncertainty with anyone who comes into college. You know, very few players, and I'd say even especially at the quarterback position, come in as a, a certainty. Like you know what you're going to get out of that guy, and um, you know, it's I, I think it's 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 fine to think whatever you want to think as an analyst. You can find reasons to prop players ranking up or you can find reasons if you want to downgrade someone you know based off of uh, a few throws so i don't know what the situation is with on threes analysts and why they're outliers in um in the dylan rayola uh, assessment but i i don't i honestly don't think it matters so so from what i hear from you you don't believe this is anything nefarious this is not on three has a vendetta against nebraska which i've heard from some husker fans on social media as of late I mean, we're always going to be quick to jump to conspiracy. The conspiracy theories are, are going to come out in, a, in any kind of a, <laughs> any kind of a situation. I mean, it's just, I, I, I have no idea. Um, I, I, I would check with the uh, with on three on that one. I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know of any uh, vendetta that the company has against <laughs> Nebraska. I'm not, I'm not aware of it. But um, you know, if it exists, they would have to be the ones to, to uh, reveal that. Mitch Sherman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch, a story you put out on The Athletic. You've got more and more uh, kids and uh, high-level talent in the Metro uh, seeing uh, big-time programs come in. That's Auburn, that's Florida, that's, that's Penn State, uh, you, you know, Big Ten. And it's, it's uh, another spring, and it's another – uh, destination spot Omaha, right for uh, some of the uh, the metro talent for programs not named Nebraska. Yeah, there's two, you know, four star talents. Well, I, three you can include Tyson Terry in that group, but he's been committed long, for a long time to Nebraska, so he's not going to bring in the same kind of attention from programs all over the country. The defensive lineman out of Omaha North, but I think if Tyson Terry was uncommitted, he would be getting the same kind of of recruiting attention that you're seeing with Christian Jones, the linebacker. At Omaha West Side, and and then the latest to really rise is Chase Lofton, the tight end, formerly of Elkhorn North, who's landed at Millard South. He wants the opportunity to be able to play in Class A as a senior, which is understandable, and and play you know measure himself against the Omaha West Sides and Bellevue Wests um, of the of this state, and you know not just that, but but at Millard South where you have um, a standout quarterback in the class of 2026, Jet Tamala. Um, and then a couple other pass catchers in uh, Marion Jackson and Isaac Jensen. Jensen, um, another tight end, just picked up an offer from Nebraska. He has an offer from Iowa State. Um, so there's four of them in that class. They're going to open the season in 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 the fall um, at Basha High School in in Chandler, Arizona, which is the school uh, we were just talking about. Dylan Raiola, the school that beat Dylan Raiola's Chandler High two times in um, in Dylan's junior season. So. 
it's a nationally respected program. Was ranked in the top fifty in, in Max Preps last season, uh, and and consistently ranks among the best in Arizona. So Ty Wisdom, the coach at Millard South, is taking his guys down to Phoenix to start the season, and they're going to get a return trip in the senior year for Tamala, Jensen, uh, and Jackson when, when Lofton's off at school um, from Basha to come up and play at, at Beale Stadium in, in 2025, which will be a pretty cool thing for, for high school football in the state of Nebraska. Yeah, what does that say to you about just the national opinion about high school football in the state of Nebraska? We've seen it with basketball in recent years with some national powers coming into the state and taking on some of Nebraska's top programs. Starting to see that now with football, too. What does that tell you about the, the national perception of the players that Nebraska high school football has? I think the national perception is behind what the, what, the, what the reality of it is. And you can look at the past couple of classes, and you know, per capita, Nebraska, a state with 1.8 million people, is putting out 12 to 15 Power 5 prospects a year. You know, if, you, if, if you go up to 20 million people like you have in, in Texas or Florida or, or, or even beyond that, you're talking, you know, in, in, obviously, uh, 10 to 15 times more prospects. Per capita, Nebraska is doing pretty well, and I don't think that the, that the, um, the state has received the kind of the respect that it deserves for the high school football that it's playing right now. I, I think there's, there are observers of high school football and recruiting nationally who still look at Nebraska um, high school football and the prospects in the state like it's 2013 or 2014 when you might have one, two, three power five prospects come out of the state in a year. That's, that's no longer happening. I mean, there's quarterbacks um, that are coming out almost every year. And this is a result of, of the work that Steve Warren is doing at the Warren Academy and that others are doing in their training. But the Warren Academy is, is just is, is essential. It's huge in the development of these players as college prospects. All four of the guys at Miller South um, who are being looked at here this month and, and receiving offers were products of the uh, of the Warren Academy, you know, along with guys like Danny Kalen and Zane Flores and Thomas Fedoni, and, and the list can can just go on. Um, you know, this this game that Miller South plays at at Basha um, next fall um, is not necessarily a result of rising respect for for high school football in the state of Nebraska. It's because Ty Wisdom, the coach at Miller South. Um, spent several years in the Phoenix area and was a head coach at two high schools and, and befriended the, the, the coach at, at Basha and, and has traveled down there to watch his team play when, when, you know, when he's had off weekends uh, in the Metro. And, and so they have a relationship, and that's, that's why this thing was struck. I hope that because of it, there's more awareness about the level of play in Nebraska and that other things, you know, other series like that can, can happen. It's, it's only good for the exposure of, of the players in the programs in the state and can, and can, you know, can help land, land guys uh, at spots like we're seeing come into the Metro and, and recruit a, a player like Chase Lofton here this month. Mitch Lofton was at SC last weekend. He's visiting mm-hmm. Alabama. So, I mean, those are some heavyweight names. Christian Jones, of course, the, the linebacker from Westside, not only Nebraska, but the who's who of the SEC and, well, the Big Ten are, are after him. Two big-time prospects. They got about a minute and a half. You know, how do you, as you look at it, where's Nebraska in the race for these two? I think Nebraska's in the position that it wants to be for both of them right now. I mean, you'd like to have these guys committed, but it's not realistic to expect the players with that many options are going to commit this early unless you've just got a slam-dunk situation. You know, with Christian Jones, um, he has a bunch of teammates from West Side. Um, 
in in the last few classes who've ended up at Nebraska. I mean, you're looking at Jalen Lloyd, Tristan Alvano, and Caleb Benning. Um, those guys are going to help Nebraska recruit Christian Jones to, uh, to to Lincoln. But he has he has all kinds of options, as you mentioned, and you know, his dad played uh, at, at Nebraska, so that's a that's a, a factor too, I think, with the with the the family. Um, and, and with Lofton, um, we'll see. It's it's a little early. His brothers at Kansas State as a tight end, Braden Lofton and. The Wildcats are a factor in addition to all the other teams that you mentioned. So when you've got SC and, and Bama knocking on your door, and we'll, and we'll see, those programs have not offered, um, mm-hmm. but the, but Penn State, Florida State, um, Missouri, uh, many others have have offered. Auburn offered him last week. Um, you know, I, I think more offers are going to come for Chase Lofton. Um, and he was at Nebraska for a junior day with those Millard South teammates just a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I think what Nebraska's doing is impressing all of these kids, but they're going to have to continue to recruit those guys, especially those two, really hard to, uh, to again, win the, uh, the recruiting battles for the top players in their own state. Mitch, uh, about 10 seconds. What's coming up from you on The Athletic, bud? Uh, we'll see. You know, still working through this week. It's a busy time in recruiting, so I'm sure I'll have some more content in the – in that area, but um, you know, as um, as we know, this is not the uh, the busiest time of year for for what's going on uh, on the on the um, on the practice field or anything like that. So we'll see what stories pop up here over the next few days. Sounds good, Mitch. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you jumping in. All right, thanks a lot, guys. There he is, Mitch Sherman, with us from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Open phones here till five with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbold, Connor Clark. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law. If you've been injured in a personal injury accident, you can count on Dyer Law and the team to provide you with a helping hand when and where you need it, no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Law, the team today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. Dyer.Law, that's Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. More recruiting questions flooding in here on the stream when it comes to needs and wants and good stuff from Mitch here on uh, the metro area in Millard South and the talent they have. West Side still loaded. Uh, a lot of talent. Omaha North, of course, in the metro. Uh, Bell West is always pretty incredible. And Lincoln has uh, uh, some some talent. Of course, Central Nebraska, Cardi. I mean, it's uh, Grand Island. I mean, so a lot of proud football programs in state that are getting looks, not only by Nebraska with the Ed Foley tour, but you're getting more and more um programs in here not just carter nelson but but now you have this this run on in-state talent and particularly in-state tight ends right i mean there's there's they're just growing in in nebraska apparently but uh, i think scott nails it nebraska is going after you know that 2025 quarterback you need to reload a defensive line and offensive line are always important we'll check in with Greg Smith, national recruiting analyst from Rivals in about 15 minutes. But interesting question you found in the stream, and we're trying to peruse through it. Promise you to get your comments on. Dion asks, um, uh, Dion saying, look, yeah, Mitch, let's advertise to the nation. 
we got players to poach. Dion, they'll just jump on Huddle Brother and uh, find them themselves, <laughs> advertisement true. or not. So it, it is out there. It's a new world in recruiting, and the word is out on Nebraska precisely because of what Mitch mentioned, the, the Warren Academy and other training facilities. You've got kids that are super talented that are refining their skills, putting in the work in the offseason. You know, one of the biggest takeaways and, and why things are so good, not only because of population base in Florida and California and in Texas, yeah, you've got a ton of kids to choose from that are, that are talented and big and fast and strong and all that, but there's spring football that happens in Texas. There's spring football that happens in Florida. There's spring football that happens in, in California. So uh, Nebraska doesn't have spring football. And so these kids that don't have spring football, what are they doing? They're, they're not necessarily specializing in sports, but they're spending a, a Sunday or a Saturday with, uh, with Warren uh, or another training facility, and, and they're putting the work in that way. And, and for a second, Dion, you're the one who brought this conversation. I want you to take the Husker hat off for just a second. It doesn't come off. But, but <laughs> briefly. Briefly, take You're telling it off. Dion to take his Husker red off. Yes, and 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 I'll I'll, I'll bring it back to Nebraska. Okay, don't worry. Yeah. But think about the high school athletes that you have in this state, and think about the opportunities that can be afforded to them by advertising, as you say, the talent that we do have on display in this state. And I I think in the long haul, it can help Nebraska. I'll get there in just a second. But think of a kid like Easton Stick, sure. playing in the NFL now. Best offer he had coming out of high school is North Dakota State. Great offer. Great offer, don't get me wrong, but Easton Stick was a kid that was way more talented than a Division I AA program such as North Dakota State. That's no slight to North Dakota State, but Easton Stick was a Power 5 kid. Do you think Easton Stick's getting a Nebraska offer if, say, I don't know, name your Power 5 school from the SEC or from wherever, if Mississippi State comes in, if Missouri comes in, if UCLA comes in, Stanford comes in and offers Easton Stick – you think that changes the recruitment from Nebraska's point of view? Yes, absolutely it Sure, does. because you've got some, air quote, peers mm-hmm. in, the, in the building now. And that is a net positive for Nebraska, despite the fact that, yes, your competition is going to be greater. By having more of a national presence that, you know what, Nebraska is a great recruiting base, you're bringing in competition for yourself, but you're also, uh, I guess, uh, rising or lifting the level of talent and lifting your own observation that you need to have within your own state in order to, to bring the recruiting up to that level, if you will, to the likes of the UCLA's and the Stanford's. And yes, are some kids going to get away? Absolutely. But look what's happened with volleyball in this state. Volleyball in, in the state of Nebraska, it's one of the premier destinations for high school volleyball recruiting to come to the state of Nebraska. It's a premier state for the sport of volleyball. I think it's been bad for the state that you know what? Occasionally kids go off and go play volleyball at a high level institution. No. Go get school paid for, get a uh, nest egg uh, before you're 22 through NIL, and uh, start off life with no debt and a a savings account. Scott may have put it into words better (laughs) than I was able to. Playing better competition is always a win in my book. Even if you lose, you get to see where you need to get better. That's kind of where I'm getting at here. Right, and and that's Mm -hmm. Rule's statement, right? Uh, I'm not going to apologize for bringing in talent. That's that's his job and your jobs to to be willing to compete and go win a job so the opportunity for nebraska here 
in this Millard South squad is pretty incredible. I mean, I mean, it doesn't doesn't like back in the day you had the Southeast Knights ranked, and this is probably thirty years ago. They were ranked in the top ten, top fifteen of the USA Today. They'd always shouldn't say always, but they had a kind of a home and home deal against uh, Rockhurst, you know, where Rucker came from, the Rockhurst squad out of Missouri. That was kind of a non-conference slash non-state game they'd play. But some of these high school powerhouses, that's what they do. The IMGs of the world, I know they're a, an academy, but they, they travel. They have, a, they have a traveling schedule. Some of these powerhouses in uh, California, modern day. Uh, they mm-hmm. they travel around. You want to see where you stack up. I'm good with that. Well, and, and let me use a, a, someone I knew well as an example. Brock Bando played high school football with him for a couple of years. Sure. What happens is 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 Brock knows he's got Division One aspirations. He's got the frame. He's got the talent that is going to lead him to be a Division One type kid. What does he do after his sophomore year of high school? He goes off to IMG Academy because he knows the opportunities he's going to get in recruiting are better at IMG Academy than they're going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's a success story for Nebraska because he ends up coming back to Nebraska, playing a couple of years of good football for Nebraska, gets a degree, moves on with his life. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a win for all parties. But like, think about him sticking around in Nebraska. Does he ever even get a Nebraska offer if he doesn't go off to IMG Academy? You don't know because we're going back five, six years ago in recruiting, and recruiting's changed since then. But there's that that conversation to be had of if he doesn't get a, an Auburn offer first, does Nebraska ever come through with an offer? Well, you, you don't know. Here's my question: Does that say something about the recruiting of in-state athletes from Nebraska? Well, absolutely. You, you can you can hit a hot button with a lot of coaches depending on the staff about the time and effort put in. I mean, it, it shouldn't it shouldn't take Lincoln to Florida. And then back again to get to Nebraska. No, what what should happen is you, you do your due diligence, mm-hmm. and if the kid's a fit, and you think you can get him, and you like him, and he likes you, and he's in state, hell yeah, you don't you don't lose him. But you need to, and you can't any longer take Nebraska kids for granted. And if they I, want to or are going to go to Nebraska. And if other schools are coming in and making offers, you can't take them for granted anymore. And, 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 and I'll, finish, I'll finish this. Staff find them. I don't think the staff is. I'll finish this conversation just by saying there has never been a time in the history of college football where having more talent within your own state borders has been bad for the college football program in that state. No, you got to have it. you got to have it. And it's been specifically, Elijah, you're right, important for Nebraska historically. We'll wind out Hour 1. Greg Smith on recruiting. Searles coming up in Hour 2 at Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, more of your stream comments. We'll get there as the show progresses. Hour 2, Greg Smith, Jeremiah Searles. Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Logger. So one out of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska. It involves an impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink or use other substances? Don't drive. Impaired driving is deceptively dangerous. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Fellas, let's talk bubble watch for a second. We alluded to it a little bit ago as uh, the Athletic out with their latest field of 68 projections. And uh, they ain't lying when they talk about Nebraska's next three. Uh, really, the the four-game stretch starting with Maryland we highlighted, but it is getting down to uh, statement time before you, you find your dancing shoes. Either they fall off uh, or you kick them off or you uh, 
you hold on to them. And uh, right now, Nebraska is in the danger zone with a lot of teams uh, in the Big Ten. You kind of forward down to uh, the, the latest rundown. And, you know, Nebraska's strength of schedule has them on the spotlight. Strength of schedule is 66, Ken Palm at 52, Ned at 60. They are 3-3 three and three with their quad one record. And right now you've got Maryland and Michigan State and Nebraska and Northwestern and, Iowa, and Ohio State. You've beaten uh, Bucky, but you got to go to Ohio State. You're going to be 1-0 against Sparty. Can you sweep Northwestern? That's a tall task, and Connor will be on hand for that. Uh, Maryland got you. Do you put a giant pelt on the wall right up there next to your Purdue uh, deer head, uh, number six in the country, and then you turn right around and go to Illinois? So the opportunity's there. You're just wondering, and Fred's words mean a lot. Fred's words are always pretty measured. He never gets too worked up. I think he's super matter-of-fact. And when he was with the network last night, I mean, the, the, the toughness question is very real. You can feed off energy and, and dig deep at home, and they've done that, Elijah. But it ain't traveled. And it's traveled for a half, a couple of times. But the, the where does the team go if, God forbid, it doesn't go well Thursday night? And then you're at Illinois, and then you're at Northwestern. You're in a four-game skid. Well, and that, that's, that's the opportunity that awaits you. Is you can look at it two ways. You can look at the potential disaster or the potential opportunity. How it's are a, basketball fans that wear the red and white looking at it? They're looking a, disaster. It's a crucial week, though, to say Good the least. Time. You have four quad one games remaining on your schedule. Three of them are in the next week. This, this, is, the, this is make or break for the NCAA tournament. This is the biggest week of Husker basketball in 10 years. I mean, That's what I said I, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, like easily. And, again, I, I agree with you. I think you look at Thursday as opportunity rather than test. I think that, you know, even if you're a Husker basketball fan, you're discouraged by the performance at Maryland, and, I mean, how could you not be? The energy in the building is still going to be high. There's still a ton to play for. And, again, cornhead lager to drink. Yes, there's plenty of that. And not only do you have an opportunity Thursday, you have an opportunity on Sunday and an opportunity on Wednesday. All these teams are good. I mean, every team in the Big Ten is good to a certain extent, but the next three – are the cream of the crop of the league right now. And if you're able to make some noise in that stretch, that could right your wrongs from previously in the season. This team's still 15-6. and six. There is a ton of postseason aspirations to play for. And it sets up your February, I mean, from a confidence standpoint. Greg Smith going to check in from Rivals. We'll talk some recruiting with uh, Greg on the way with Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, it's Hour 2 at Tail City. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We say hello to Greg Smith, the national recruiting analyst with Rivals. Find and follow him if you don't already at Greg Smith Rivals. Mr. Greg, it is 
awesome to see you in the video. Hail Varsity YouTube, where you can watch. Also, the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed, the ESPN 590 KFOR Twitter feed, uh, wherever you like to watch the show. How are you doing, man? That football office looks nice. Love the wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it's good to be back with you guys. It feels like it hasn't been that long, but a lot has changed in that time, right? New job. I have moved out of Lincoln. Uh, you know, it, it, a lot's happened around here. So I was going to ask, am I still able to, uh, you know, uh, knock on your door around dinner time around 640 uh, when I smell you know, steaks on the grill, but the, the door was never answered. I mean, <laughs> I'm messing with you, but yeah, I'm so happy for you, man. That's awesome. National analyst and uh, you deserve it, brother. It's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. If, if you smell the, the grilled meats from Omaha, uh, then you are more than welcome to come through and uh, knock on the door. <laughs> we will. Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to kind of get things kicked off uh, with, with just uh, your, analysis when it comes to, to rating a player. I've had some questions today in the stream as far as Dylan Raiola and, and Arrivals still has him top three in the country. Break it down, man, for our audience. What goes into the uh, the ranking of a player uh, at quarterback or defensive tackle or, you know, whatever, but just how the, uh, the the sausage is made, for lack of a better term, uh, when it comes to, to coming out with your, your top three, top five players in the country. Yeah, it's it's a much more involved process than I think that people realize given, and I always explain this to people like on the other end of it, to prospects about like when they complain about their ranking, when they say, you know, I'm only, you know, the seventh best wide receiver in the country. Well, you have to understand if you're number seven in the entire country, we're talking about you're a pretty good player um, in your own right, right? There's a lot of high school football players out there. Now, when it comes to that top group, it becomes a little bit nitpicky, right? When you're talking about, you know, we we have Dylan, what, number two mm-hmm. um, in our overall rankings. And even when we moved him pr- from number one to number two in favor of Jeremiah Smith, uh, the wide receiver that he was in a class with at one point at Ohio State, he ended up at Ohio State. Um, we were met with criticism um, when we did that because it's just not its not typical to see a wide receiver jump over a quarterback in that process. Uh, but in that particular case, we think Jeremiah Smith is basically Julio Jones. Um, and if you think that, then he's well-deserving of being the number one player in the country, right? But when it comes to quarterbacks, some of it comes down to, you know, how they performed in the season, which Dylan definitely checked that box. But then it also comes down to how they performed in all-star games, which we also thought he checked that box as well. Um, And so to be honest with you, like, I don't know what the case is for moving him off of the spot that he would have previously had, which is why we didn't do it. Well, the, 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 the the conspiracy theories between out there for Husker fans are on three. He's got a, a Husker bias. They have a vendetta against Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, they're just doing it for clicks. They just want the attention. But you're telling me there's there's actual real reasoning behind recruiting rankings. Yeah, there's there's actual real reasons. You really wouldn't want it. Honestly, I'm going to be you talking about how the sausage is made. You would never actually want to anger a large fan base because <laughs> they're more likely to click the other way, right? It would be it would be smarter to then to make a couple of guys that were kind of mid three stars, four stars, and then get the bump from that um, and have people talking about that. So no, it's better to go the other way um, than to just make people mad. Greg, I I want to get your thoughts uh, with the the national scene you're on. You also keep an ear locally, uh, not just with Nebraska, but the Big Ten. But 
you know, feedback. You talk to kids all the time. What is the buzz like for Nebraska with this Riola commitment and just more so not only Riola, but also rule because he is knocking on doors in state and out of state. Yeah, I think that those are the the two main things right now that are driving Nebraska's kind of resurgence because they surge at the end of this class. And when it comes to both high school and the transfer portal, you got to combine them anymore, right? And think about it all holistically. Um, and I think that that initial initial surge was because they got Dylan Rayola and he was in the boat and was somebody that you know when those transfer wide receivers came on campus. I know they spent a lot of time with Dylan um, when uh, D- Dante Daldell, the running back as well, did the same thing, right? So those were those guys it was instrumental in having dylan around to help to kind of pitch the program and say hey i'm a big time player i'm coming here here's why you should also do it but the flip side of that is what you kind of alluded to which is when you say that you those guys have to then go talk to the coaching staff right so then when to see if all of that stuff is true so then when they go talk to matt rule and those guys they're like oh he actually was telling me the truth and shooting me straight about what he was actually talking about with this program and i think that people like and i continue to hear this consistently like parents high school coaches recruits they just love matt rule and they love talking to him and those two things in combination i think are a powerful one-two punch right now Greg, we were talking earlier about how, you know, the talent in Nebraska is being sought after a lot more nationally now. How does Nebraska kind of fend off those larger teams that are coming in, whether that's in the Big Ten or in the SEC or wherever it may be? Man, that's a great question because it, it's getting dicey out there. It is hard. Like that, it's something where there's a, a couple of things that Nebraska has to do, and, and one of them in particular that they can control right now. Um, I think they're doing well at, which is just getting in the high schools and actually recruiting these kids hard. Right, like the days are gone where you can just offer, you know, a guy like Chase Lofton and just expect him to come here, or you know, a Christian Jones. You offer him, and up, he's basically going to shut it down um, and then end up at Nebraska. Like those guys now have offers from all over the country you know in the case of Jones you know Notre Dame Oklahoma is really high on him Um, Chase Lofton obviously has the connection to Kansas State with his brother being there he was just at USC this past weekend going to Alabama this weekend Um, and so everyone is after those kids so you have to put the legwork in which is why what Ed Foley is doing is so important uh, for this staff right and then the other thing which they can't control just yet they had one season of it is they got to win right you I've said this on this show before I've said it other places you have to put yourself in the shoes of these kids now who have not seen nebraska win very much in their lifetime or at least since they you know could remember what was happening with football so the wins have to come and the progress has to go on the field but the first step is is to actually put in the legwork to recruit them yeah and and greg there's kind of two sides to this argument we've seen it both we talked about it back in in hour one that's you know it's concerning whenever the the who's who of college football are coming to your state and recruiting Mm -hmm. because there's more competition but on the flip side my take is If there's more attention and more talent within your home states, I can't remember a time that's been bad for the in-state football program, despite the fact that you might lose some kids to out-of-state. What's your take on that? Is that a fair take that more more recruiting attention, despite the fact that the competition goes up and you might lose some kids, is, is good for Nebraska in the long run? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely good. It is better to have it this way than to only have, say, two kids that really are deserving of, of scholarship offers within the state, right? Because the, the the more kids that Nebraska can bring in from in-state where you don't have to travel as much, it is easier to recruit them just based on kind of the overhead and what it's going to take to win that recruitment, the better, right? Like, I know they want to go into Texas and they will continue to do that, but it, it takes a little bit more of a toll to do that versus going down the street or down I-80 
and recruiting kids um, from the state. So ultimately, it's a very good thing. But I understand why it makes fans nervous, uh, because they're going to be in some high profile battles and it's going to happen again this year. Greg Smith with us here on Hale Varsity, a national recruiting analyst with Rivals at Greg Smith Rivals, where you follow him. So when we talk about Nebraska and uh, the, the in-state prospects, Greg, we know that it's, it's been on the rise. It's been noticed. Recruiting's different now than it was five years ago. It's international, for lack of a better term. We've, yep. we've highlighted that. Why do you think the, 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 the notice is out or the word is out on in-state kids? Yeah, I think a, a couple of things, and I, I go back to, remember, that's what you said five years ago, because just about before that, that Cam Jurgens year, when it was, he was kind of the big name, yeah. and people were starting to come to the state, right? LSU was in on him at the end, and then over the next couple of seasons, you started to see guys like Nick Henrich and Chris Hickman, um, Garrett Nelson and Ethan Piper, uh, Snodgrass was in that same class as well, but then what happens when people, colleges come to see those kids, when they go to Burke to see Henrich and Hickman, oh, they see Xavier Watts, right? And now <laughs> He's at Notre Dame. So I think there's a trickle-down effect that has happened, and that's why the, you're seeing so many kids get offers in the state, especially at an earlier age, because they're starting to see those kids earlier and earlier when they're seeing other players as well. And this happens other places in the country, too. It's just now happened at Nebraska a lot more, um, and it makes it a lot easier now because of huddle and things like that, where teams can really – they don't have to actually physically come out here to see those kids on the first glance. They can watch them on huddle, get a good evaluation, and then come out and see them um and so yeah I, I think there's a number of reasons there but anytime you know i looked up you know i was at carter nelson's game this past year and notre dame's like director of player personnel is on the sideline you just wouldn't have seen that stuff you know five or six years ago it's just kind of amazing how it's all exploded greg uh, wanted to get your thoughts on on some names that, that are out there and uh nebraska offering a quarterback uh, Dylan Duff, kid out of St. Louis. What are your thoughts on him? I know Nebraska is still chasing uh, Maskey uh, out of Algona. That's uh, a big target that, that they were looking at at quarterback for 2025. But touch on those quarterbacks that Nebraska is looking at and then needs for Nebraska for 2025. Yeah, I think that Duff to stay in there first is he's a he's about six three one ninety, um, a good passer. He's a good he's got a nice accurate arm, um, and he's a kid that's on the rise. Like he he has been visited by a lot of schools in the region over this kind of contact period here in January. Um, so you think you know obviously Nebraska was in there with a good chunk of the staff when they offered him today. Um, he was at Missouri, I believe, this past weekend. Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, all kind of circling the wagons on him as well. So I think he's a really good. Re- regional prospect and that's kind of where Alex Mansky is right now even though he just took a visit to Texas A&M because um, they've got an interesting connection you I think you're going to continue you talk about teams that are going to come into Nebraska Christian Ellsworth, who was at Nebraska, now down at Texas A&M, as soon as he got down there and in that position and kind of got elevated under Mike Elko, they started offering Nebraska kids left and right and Nebraska targets um, that that Nebraska had too. Alex Mansky is a kid that he was really familiar with, so they've got a connection there. Um, and then he's also got Iowa and Iowa State who are also heavily in on him, as is Nebraska, like you mentioned. 
I'm very curious on what happens with that quarterback position when it comes to this cycle. Because as you know, we've been doing this long enough. When you have a really good quarterback one year, it is very hard to stack quarterbacks year after year. I don't think that anybody is under an illusion that Dylan Rayle is not going to start this year and beyond. And so it just becomes really hard to then sell kids that want to play right away at that position to be able to come in. Um, it's just going to be tough. And as far as needs go for Nebraska this year, defensive line, I think, is one. I think that getting adding a guy to go along with Tyson Terry, who I, I'm very high on, I think he's a, he's a great young player, um, but getting another defensive lineman or two with him, um, getting another like big-time linebacker, I think that this is a year where they can swing for the fence at linebacker as well. So a couple of those defensive positions in the front seven, I think, is where they need to be looking first and foremost. Greg, with, with Riola and Kalen both on roster, you expect Riola's going to play this year. You expect Kalen most likely going to redshirt. Does that take down the importance of getting a quarterback in that 2025 class? Usually coaches want a quarterback in every single class because of things like attrition, uh, guys transferring in and out, potential injuries, missing on kids. Is it important for Nebraska to get a kid, a kid in 2025 or does a, a, a Kalen redshirt kind of take care of that? I still think that you want to get one because of what we've seen with the transfer portal, right? Like it, that that can change so fast now. And so it's just it, you have to protect yourself a little bit, whether or not that's a, a guy that you maybe think is under the radar um, that you've got a good evaluation on and you bring him in or if it's a preferred walk on that you really are high on. Like, I just think that you always in this day and age need to bring bringing in a quarterback, even though if things stay the same and no one leaves, you're going to be in a pretty good situation moving forward. Kiona Wilhite, Greg, uh, had an in-home with UCLA, Nebraska, and uh, Mr. White out there to see him. And uh, you also have Michigan State in the running. Mm-hmm. Give me a thought on, on Wilhite and, you know what, uh, decision days just around the corner for him. Yeah, I think that he's a he would be a really good late ad for whichever school adds him. I think that he would fit in for Nebraska. And now we're in this situation where Nebraska has added so many players. And I know this comes up all the time about how can they do this? Where the scholarship numbers? Do they have this? He's a guy that you make a spot for, right? Like you just will figure it out um, because he he would be an impact type defensive lineman um, to come into that room. So you definitely want to add him. Like you mentioned, tough competition here with UCLA sending Chip Kelly out there to the house. Uh, Michigan State, I think, is one to watch as well. Um, that new staff with Jonathan Smith, like I think that they've done a really nice job so far. Um, obviously, they bring over Aiden Childs, and I think that he's going to be a star in the Big Ten. And they, they've just got a good staff. Obviously, what they were doing at Oregon State is good. Um, so. So Nebraska right there in the mix, um, but landing him would be a really big deal for Nebraska's future defense. About uh, 45 seconds, Greg, this new Big Ten, man, just the how, how exciting are the recruiting wars going to be? Maybe exciting the wrong word for Nebraska fans, but just overall, it's tough anyway with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. You bring in uh, the, the West Coast, man, it's going to get pretty interesting. Yeah, it's already interesting because I didn't think that those West Coast teams would have such a presence in the Midwest right away. I've been kind of tracking this. I've seen Lincoln Riley in more like Ohio and Indiana high schools than I would have expected to see right away. I think that that was something they needed to do anyway just to get tougher. Um, And I think that it's smart of him to kind of get that way as they go into the Big Ten. You know that Dan Lanning in Oregon is going to be a problem. Like they're going to be, you know, right there battling Ohio State, I think, as the favorites in the conference this coming season. Um, And so as Adding those teams is still kind of weird. We're all getting used to it. But at the same time, it's going to be fun. But like you said, on the recruiting trail, eh, I don't know how much fun you want to have with a couple of those programs. 
It's Greg Smith, national analyst with Rivals at Greg Smith Rivals on Twitter. Give him a follow. Greg, appreciate you making time. We'll do this again soon. Thanks for, for jumping on. Hey, thanks as always, guys. Good good seeing you guys. All right, there he is. Greg Smith with us. Quick timeout. Jeremiah Searles on the way with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into an hour two, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. We welcome in our favorite Husker NFLer, Jeremiah Searles, at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, tell us about the uh, the tour, man. How's your uh, your winner been? Yeah, it's been busy. Uh, you know, I was in Florida at the beginning of the part for the Hula Bowl. Uh, then I went up to Minneapolis in the middle part to work with my old lineman up at the gym. And then I just got back last night from Frisco, Texas for the Shrine Bowl. So been running and gunning and having a great time and really just fun watching your clients go out there and perform with what they need to do. Ran into Matt Rule down at the Shrine Bowl as well. So good to see him uh, down there supporting Omar Brown and uh, our long snapper. So always good to see him. And he was down there recruiting. So it was always it was a great trip. Sounds uh, sounds busy, but uh, pretty eventful, which is great. And we're not far away from spring, so it is the dreaded winter conditioning. Uh, dr- dreaded uh, with a little question mark, Ron Burgundy style. But uh, spring is is here, and a lot of excitement for Riola, but also some of the new additions. What's your your take on some of the gets for Nebraska? And they may not be done for uh, for the last signing day either. Yeah, no. First of all, I loved winter conditioning. Like I thought winter is as hard as it is, like you're just grinding it out with your boys and then you're done. You go to class and you kind of just chill out. Like it wasn't it wasn't this super awful all day thing. Like it's a really intense couple hours. But other than that, you're kind of just chilling. I mean, some of my favorite memories are sitting in the cold tub with the boys after a hard workout and everyone's like making fun of the kid who puked or the kid who passed out or whatever it might be. So I love that. But no, I've been super excited for this class and you know even being around down talking to scouts and whatnot they all know i played in nebraska and, all, and, and a lot of them are like man hey nebraska put together a pretty good class so that shows me that nationally we're getting some attention too from the football scribes and pundits that are all around the league so i'm really excited about some of these guys that are gonna come in i think spring's gonna be a great chance to see some of this young talent who's gonna be a contributor who's gonna be a guy that needs some developing and so on and so forth but Overall, I think the temperature of the Huskerville should be really excited for the future to come. So, which group of guys do you think this particular winter conditioning is more important for? Is it those those guys that got some playing time last year, freshman year, guys like Malachi Coleman, Jalen Lloyd, Lynn Hart, some of the other guys in the defense? You know, a lot of coaches say you make your biggest stride in college between your freshman year and your sophomore year because of that winter conditioning. Or is it this group of early enrollees, this recent class that Nebraska got in because – by getting in early, they get themselves the winter condition. They get themselves ready for spring. Which group of guys do you think this next couple of months is more important for as you, you look at the rebuild as a whole? Yeah, no, it's definitely the year two, year three guys. I mean, those are the ones that need to take the big jump, right? You're no longer experiencing something new for the first time. You're no longer kind of swimming. You have experience under your belt. You're no longer looked at as a rookie. And for guys that played a lot of snaps, you're no longer looked at as a young guy either. Right. And so taking advantage of the winner and being able to be a good self scouter and going back and saying, hey, I need to be better at this or I need to work on that. And then applying it through this time is extremely important because those guys can't afford to have a sophomore slump. Right. You can't rebuild if you're a freshman that went out and contributed this year. All of a sudden come out as sophomores and you're like, why do you look worse or the same? Right. Which is essentially worse. Right. Those guys have to make big strides. And I think with Corey Campbell and the process and everything he's put in, it's going to be really hard not to make big strides and it's less you're just not bought in 
like that's really the only way you don't make big strides in the winter is if you you get out of it what you put in it because the plan that the staff and everyone's going to put in is all meant to, for you to have the most success. Jeremiah Searles with us on Hill Varsity Radio. Obviously, winter conditioning, very physical, strenuous on the body. What type of mental edge do players gain from that kind of tough period of working out? I know you said it's only a couple hours a day, but it's a tough couple hours each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely mental toughness as much as it's physical toughness, right? The the strength coach and the coaches runs and the older guys are going to try and push the younger guys to see who breaks, right? Like that was always a piece of us. Like who's going to quit? Who's not going to touch the line? Who's not going to finish the drill? Who's going to make us restart the drill? And you start seeing as a whole, like who can we rely on in the fall and who's taking those jumps from maybe a guy that was a didn't touch the line guy the year before, but now he's a leader. Right. You can start to see that. And that's a little bit where that mental edge comes in of you're developing your mental toughness of it's fourth quarter games on the line, two minute drill. You fall back on your training of the base that you built through winter conditioning. So all this stuff is important. All of it plays into a factor. A lot of it's just kind of evaluating where guys are at mentally as well. Well, with this winter conditioning progress uh, process in progress, you kind of mentioned the fact that players get in what they put into the process. Mm-hmm. With winter conditioning, is it more player-led or more coach-led? Well, what, what is the, the more important factor there? Yeah, the coaches need to put together a phenomenal program, right? They need to have a program, whether it be six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is leading up to spring ball, and calculate what they want to get out of it from a metric standpoint. As far as what it comes from a player-led, you know, the player-led is much more who's the internal leaders, who are the guys that are going to stand up and say, hey, follow me, I know the path, like Ty Robinson comes to mind, Nash Hupmaker comes to mind those type of guys and also who's going to take the step into that leadership role. These are where you really are starting to look for who your leaders are in the fall. But overall, the coaches run everything and it's their job to have the program put in place. It's the player's job to execute. Searles, what are you expecting from the O-line? You know, with the God of the guys coming back, I'm expecting some really high hopes, right? I think Bryce Benhart played his best football of his career towards the end of the year last year and really throughout the entire year last year. Ben Scott coming back there, big guy in the middle, hoping that he's going to be a guy that can anchor it down for us. We bring in the transfer from Florida, the boxer. So hopefully he's not punching anyone at the 10-yard line. But, I mean, he's an extremely gifted athlete. You see it on tape all over the place. Teddy Prohaska having a healthy, healthy, non-surgical offseason can do leaps and bounds for him as well. And then you start filling in there of guys that have played last year that aren't just going to be penciled in and penned in as starters, but true competition across the board. And that's one of the first times I can think for a long time of going into a spring with multiple guys that have starting experience competing and making each other better so we can truly find out who the best five are going to be come the fall. And when you talk about that best five, Searles, what's more important with those guys in taking strides based on what you saw? Is it that physical? Is that that, that weight room element that they're going through right now? Or is it going to be in spring, getting on the field and getting that technique right? What do you think there's more refinement to, to be had with that group? I think it's both. I don't think you can take one or pick pick one. You know, you have to be big, fast, strong, physical to play offensive line. It's no secret. You can be as technical and talented as you want. If you don't got the, the lead in your ass, it don't matter, right? And so you got to put that in, put that work in during the, the, the winter. But then when you get out, you have to technically refine yourself as well. If you can be as strong as can be, if you can't control your own body in your pass set and the timing, then it doesn't matter. So it's definitely a combination of the two. You know, and last year, so many times with the the offensive line, it all went kind of south when one guy missed here or one block fall off here. So just getting the five guys that work the best together and communicate the best and the less MEs and then pairing that with being fast, strong, physical, which they all should be in this program. There's no reason not to be. That's where we're going to really start to see if we've made some big strides or not. Searles, uh, what can Glenn Thomas do for a, a, a true freshman quarterback 
or a guy like Harburg that, that's had limited development in his time at Nebraska? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, talking about him, you can just come in and install a culture. You can come in and teach the way it to be done, and, and you really get to build from the ground up, right? So that that's for me is you want a guy that's going to build from the ground up, shape, mold, clay his way. And when you get to do that, especially with a young guy, you get to pretty much pick and choose, hey, this is my way of the highway. It worked or it didn't, right? So I'm excited for him to come in and just kind of implement his system. Thought on Raiola, the expectations, the pressure, the – celebration and and you know the, he's he's moving the needle he's making nebraska you know recognizable from a recruiting standpoint you still got to produce on the field coach rule and everybody knows that but it's a little different feel now with uh with a guy like riola committing and then being on campus yeah you know i treat i treat freshmen the same way i treat rookies until you've proven to me that you can do it you don't matter to me Right. And as much as Rayola is great and fun, I love it. I've seen five stars flame out quicker than can be. And I'm not saying he's going to, but I want him to come in and earn it still. Right. I don't want people to treat him like the golden boy or the anointed one yet. Like until you prove to me, you can do it between the white lines and practice. And then out on the game, you're just a guy. Right. And I'm excited for what you've done and what you've built to this program. But I think that's the kind of mentality he needs to have. And it's going to be important that the seniors rally around him. The older guys rally around him is like, hey, you may be our guy, but you still need to earn it from us. Right. That's just an important part of growing and developing as a player, not just as a as the guy. Right. Everyone can be the guy coming out of high school. you got to earn it to your teammates and prove it to your teammates. And then when they anoint you that, that's when it matters. When you talk about that sink or swim aspect, Searles, do you think this spring – Rayola gets tossed into the deep end, if you will. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's going to get tossed in the deep end with the lead vest on, right? Like, let's see (laughs) if you can swing, young buck. But that's what you got to do when you bring in a guy like this that the hope is, hey, you play three years and go get drafted in the top 10, right? That's what what happens when you draft a guy like this. Bring in a guy like this. That's the hope and the dream that he's so good he leaves for the NFL in three years. You got to see what you got right away and understand where are we starting. Are we starting from ground zero? Are we starting from floor 10? Or are you already built way up here where we're just refining certain aspects? But you really don't get that feel for a player until you see him out there against 22, 23-year-old guys that have been playing college football for four, five, six, eight, ten years, whatever it is now. (laughs) (laughs) Cheryl Stantz on the Super Bowl. Chiefs, and uh, they are going to – you're grunting. Chiefs and 49ers. I'm with you, sir. I I mean, I really wanted a Ravens – I really wanted a Ravens – the Lions Super Bowl. I mean, that's what my heart wanted. I think it's what America wanted. But, you know, we, we get Mahomes and Kelsey again. And as much as I don't want them to win, I can't stop. I have to stop betting against Patrick Mahomes. He's the best, right? I was looking up a stat today. He is now third all-time quarterback wins in the playoffs behind only Tom Brady and Joe Montana. He's 28 years old. That's He's nice. past Manning. He's past Roethlisberger. He's past, he's past all these greats as a 28-year-old. We're watching one of the best to ever do it, arguably going to go down as the best to ever do it. And, you know, he found his stride, and he's only been sacked once. So I want San Fran to win. I think they may be the more talented roster top to bottom, but 15 is the greatest X factor there is in the NFL. Teammate Randy Gregory could, uh, could oh, yeah. end up with a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, going from Denver and Sean Payton and that train wreck to uh, (laughs) the best best pass rushing units in the NFL with, I mean, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, Bosa, Armstead, such a talented group up front for San Fran. Hey, let's not like the Broncos didn't have a six-week stretch this year where they looked all right, all right? (laughs) Hang the banner. Hang the banner, Elijah. (laughs) Hang the banner. (laughs) 
Searles, uh, last thought, what's coming up from you, man? I know you got some podcasts working and, and you're, uh, you're spending time with clients. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, so a lot more just pre-draft stuff going here off the road for a few weeks. Uh, we're still doing our podcast, the O-Line Committee, uh, O-Line Lifestyle Podcast. If you're interested, go check it out on YouTube or Spotify or Apple. Uh, would love for you guys to give me some feedback on that. We just break down tape, a lot of fun stuff there. But for the most part now, pre-draft, full steam ahead to the draft. The best city to visit during the pre-draft process is where? Indianapolis, Combine. Dude, the Combine's a riot. A riot. Like, it's <laughs> off-air we have stories. Okay. <laughs> well, we got to hear some of them off air and yay or nay on the St. Elmo's. Do you hammer the uh, shrimp cocktail? Oh, n- n- yes, I hammer. <laughs> I'll make me cry. It hurts so good. <laughs> Searles, be good, and uh, we'll check in again soon. Thanks for a few minutes. I absolutely appreciate you guys. Go Big Red. Good to hear from Searles. The uh, Searles World Tour. Good for him, man. Uh, in the agent world and then the, the Nebraska football uh, analyst r- r- world as well. Just his thoughts on the Big Red. Find our podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can download the show or catch the YouTube uh, version on video. Subscribe to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and uh, Twitter at HVarsity Radio. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Searles and Greg Smith this hour. Mitch Sherman in hour one. Uh, find their interviews on the podcast. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity. Subscribe, tell a friend, give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly. We are good with what your feedback is. Hale Varsity YouTube channel as well. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Herbal Essence, at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So on three's national reporter, Jesse Simonton, had a chance to, to do a one-on-one with Rule. And uh, a lot of things talked about, specifically the excitement, the enthusiasm, and the, uh, well, the thought Nebraska's primed to make that, quote, big jump. And uh, that's music to Nebraska fans' ears. But um, pretty good conversation, fellas, with uh, Rule and Simonton. And Rule started off with some some of the things that you know as a Nebraska fan. But his level of concern, and he said this in his post games. When when you look at the turnover factor with Nebraska football, there's no reason when you look at the the, the turnover differential that you're in ball games, let alone losing on a walk-off or losing in overtime with that disparity in, uh, in turnovers. Uh, it's just not feasible in football. But he uh, looked at the 5-7 and seven and says, look, I, I know that's what it was and November was tough to take, but I'm paraphrasing here, but you've got all sorts of momentum here with recruiting, obviously with Riola. Uh, with what Nebraska wants to do from a development standpoint. And the, uh, the fact is this, you're, uh, and, and Coach DiNardo has said this to us for 100 years, uh, if you're a, a, a have, if you're a blue blood program, you can get back to being blue blood. And uh, Rule referenced that, the 9-10 win years for Politi. Uh He thinks they'll get back there shortly. And the blueprint here for success is going to be that development, but also, Elijah, going and getting really talented players and coaching them up. And I think that the quote of the article here is, is something I've heard 
from a lot of Husker fans over the past couple of months. You hear it directly here from Matt Rule uh, talking about those 9-10 win seasons. He says, I expect us to make a big jump. If you don't have a minus 17 turnover ratio last year, we probably go from 5-7 and seven to an 8-9 win, maybe 10 win team. He's not Who wrong. Knows? And then he goes on to say, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> but we did. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I, if you told me uh, that Joe Schmell Husker fan said that and not Matt Rule, say, yeah, yeah, par for yeah. the course. You say Matt Rule says, I go, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's interesting to have. One of us. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a healthy look but it, at the woulda, coulda, shoulda. It's interesting, though, to have a coach and a fan base in lockstep like that because it hasn't always been that way in terms of what the issues are, you know? The, the, do, you, do you kind of follow what I'm saying? Whenever you hear some post-game press conferences back in the Frost and Riley years, didn't always feel like the coach in terms of their plan to fix the program was in lockstep with what the fans saw. But Matt Rule from day one has been in lockstep where it's how do you win at Nebraska? You run the football. You play physical football. You go back to what made you great in the 90s. You embrace the weather. And then uh, you move forward and looks back at last season and says, you know what, we're probably 8-9, 10-win team if we don't have a minus 17 turnover margin. That's exactly what Husker fans are saying, too. It's, it's, is it not interesting to have a coach that's that in lockstep with the fan base? No, you take care of the football and good things happen, right? Like, get, get some better quarterback I, I it's, play, it's good not things a, happen. It's not a crazy take to say, oh, we need to fix the turnovers. Anyone oh, no. can see that. But like to, for him to just come out and say that so bluntly mm-hmm. is interesting. I just feel like a lot of coaches aren't willing to say something like that anyway, especially like the win differential part. Like, yep, yeah, the turnovers, any coach can go out in a press conference and say, well, we need to stop turning the ball over, got to stop hurting ourselves, got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. How many times have you heard that as a Husker fan over the last 10 years? You don't really hear coaches say, well, if we did a little bit less of this, we'd probably go from five to eight, right? Like, you, you don't hear that all the time. And obviously, Matt Rule's been, you know, very upfront about what he says and how he feels. And I think that's a good quality to have as a head coach of a program like this. And I, I think he's, as Elijah said, very in line of what, you know, a lot of the fans think. And that can be good for some reasons and, you know, bad for others. But, um, I mean, Hey, when, when you look at it, you can't really argue with that. If you don't turn the ball over minus 17 in the turnover margin, you're probably going to be a better team. So uh, it's staring them right in the face, the, the, the thing that needs to get fixed, and obviously a couple of other things as well. But, you know, that, that's the glaring issue, and he's, he's willing to admit that. Advantages that is going to be there for Nebraska is you got a lot of young guys, reps, and time, and they were able to make some impact Back to what you were talking to Searles about, Elijah, making that jump in a second year from some of the key contributors as is, is freshmen. That's big. Uh, they all know what to expect from a practice style. That separates Nebraska in a good way. That puts them more in line with the, the Michigans of the world and the Minnesotas and Iowas of the world uh, when it comes to physical football. Tony White is sticking for another year, and his defense was fantastic. It was really good against the run, and they got called upon too many times. Uh, their next step is to close out games. If the offense isn't closing out the ball game, running the football, the four-minute drill. But teams will know what to look for, okay, with Tony White in this 3-3-5. Doesn't mean it's going to be any easier for these uh, offenses to – to, to, to crack them. I mean, Nebraska gave up about a, a drive and a big play typically once a game. I mean, they were, they were solid for, for 13 points 
maybe 17, and they, there should have been a billion points scored on them off of turnovers, and there weren't. Now, it's not going to be easy to replace the Newsoms of the world, but you've got your back end back with you. You've got your two big psychos in the middle and the polar bear and Ty Robinson. And uh, put that line- on a shirt. <laughs> the two, two big, big psychos. psychos. <laughs> and, and your linebacker depth is, is a little thin, but we'll see if it, it, uh, got, it gets infused with your uh, transfer portal. And you've got some guys that are still around that saw some really nice action. What was good about Nebraska is they played a lot of dudes and there was a, a good rotation. They've got to still be stout against the run. They've got a schedule they can manage, it looks like, on paper to open things up. And then it gets real ugly uh, with Ohio State and beyond that, but that's why you you play the game. That's why you try and figure it out. So Nebraska in a good spot. Uh, fix the turnovers. Keep good uh, vibes on defense and stay positive. But it's, it's not staying positive for the sake of blowing smoke. It's being positive about look at all the things that you didn't do and you were right there. So it's going to be big for Nebraska to, 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 to take that step with second-year guys, with the, the first-year guys, with the fifth-year guys, with the eighth-year guys. I don't think there's any eight-year guys, but the sixth-year guys, and put it all together. You can be excited about this season and uh, what's the ceiling at. We've got all sorts of summertime uh, after we, we see what they are in spring to discuss that. Yeah, do you think uh... – that the panic alarms start going off if they fumble the ball nine times in the spring game again? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think uh, we kind of downplayed that last year. Like, oh, it's a, it's a new regime coming in. That's They're just nervous. <laughs> <laughs> He's just no, a freshman. <laughs> no, they had problems holding on to the football. Uh, we will send you off into a Tuesday night. I hope some of you have fired that grill up with the good weather. I'm thinking about it. We'll wind down a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity, and we're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. So, Elijah is off to bowling in short order. Connor has basketball southwest locally here in Lincoln, hosting northeast. And uh, that should be all right. You uh, have uh, a slate of basketball here the next couple of days. And you've kind of perused all the different brackets out there. So, Athletic says Nebraska's bubble watching. What else is out there to, to, to calm Husker Nation ahead of Thursday? Calm. I've, You've seen some brackets that have Nebraska still as a nine seed. I've yeah, I've seen nine seeds. I've seen ten seeds. I've, I think you've it, seen play in in Dayton. The the only thing that's going to calm down Husker fans over yeah, the next win week Thursday. Is, I was going to say it was Xanax prescription, but well, <laughs> I would go bourbon. But pick your poison. Pick, yeah, I, yeah. At the end of the day, <laughs> I, is I, bourbon I, and Xanax a bad idea? Yes, that's a horrible idea. Okay. I didn't, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> the only worst idea is bourbon and sleeping pills. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the most accurate one I've seen, at least it, that agrees with my opinion, and it's not the bourbon and Xanax combo, is the Joe Lenardi last four in. I think that's pretty accurate right now, just based off the way that they lost on Saturday on the road to a Maryland team that is playing better, 
but it's a team that you shouldn't lose by 22. A, they got killed in a big game. Yeah. So I think last four in is, is accurate. I think Nebraska's squarely on the bubble right now. A win on Thursday could change that. Uh, you saw how much they dropped after the loss. Well, the equal thing could happen after a win against the number six team in the country in your building. So um, I, I think on the squarely on the bubble is, is good, um, at least in accuracy, and uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that they're located on the playing game. Would you say that whenever we discuss – uh, what nine days from now, there's more scenarios where Nebraska's off the bubble either in or out than they are still on the bubble a week from now? If they split... Because I think if they split, if you go in your next three, two and one, I think you're in. Right, I'm saying these last mm-hmm. four, you, you go two and two, I think you're good. There's not a bad loss in the next but they still three have, they still have right now. They still have bad losses out there to yes. stub their toe. Yes, but, and well, I, the and I you if, go you go, if you go winless over the next week, I look at this team being off the bubble in a bad way, being on the outside yeah. looking in. Yeah, I agree. And But the thing that's going to help Nebraska right now before we get into the next three is the fact that they're 3-3 three and three in quad one games. That's huge because quad one wins are hard to come by. The fact you got three of them already – and you have three opportunities coming up that are all will be uh, – I, I would have to check up on Northwestern's net because it's been a little bit low this year. But they should all three be quad one opportunities. So if you're able to pick off one or two of those, that's going to go a long way. And the fact that they already have three of those quad one wins is, is a big deal. People weigh that in a ton. Does Northwestern get murdered tomorrow night, the revenge game at Purdue? That's interesting. Likely. I, I, I want to say Purdue probably wins that one pretty pretty handily. Northwestern's playing good basketball, obviously, but, yeah, Purdue's going to want their get back, especially after back-to-back years losing in Evanston. You need their, their Creighton to keep rocking if you're Nebraska. You need K-State to keep rocking. Yeah, that's, that's the one that everybody's concerned they're about. They're teetering as well, right? And your win over Indiana – Indiana's got all sorts of talent. You need Sparty to keep rolling. The metrics love Sparty, too, so that'll they help do. out Nebraska. They're, what, they're still like top 20 in Kimpom, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, State? 12 and Strength 8. Strength the schedule. Good old Michigan State. Well, we'll be back at you tomorrow at 4 and uh, get the show downloaded today. YouTube channel with Hale Varsity or Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Thanks for tuning in with Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.